Baker came to me and he said, you promised to do your doctorate. Have you done it? Uh, no. He said, repent. <laughs> now, that may sound harsh, but it was a healthy thing to do. Because of that, Ken Shull and I, another famous guy from this congregation, an elder, attended workshops and got training, and that led me to change my life and change my dissertation. And my focus is a church as a caring, loving, healing community. And I got so much of that healing and love from this congregation. Now, good good to see our our friends here. I'm not the only former staff person here. It's great to see uh, the musicians with us again, right? Thank you for coming. So my high points were here where I learned so much about what it takes to be committed to one another, and we are the people of God. So let's look today at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. A Sermon on the Mount is essentially Jesus' declaration of what the kingdom of God is going to be like when it's established. And so he starts out by talking about many of the things that I picked up in my doctoral dissertation. And we're going to see that Jesus was way ahead of the researchers, the psychologists and the counselors that I studied in grad school at UC and at other places uh, about what it took to be a healing community. So it's wonderful for me to see in psychology the same kinds of things that Jesus was teaching. I was warned when I told my friends back home I was going into psychology and counseling, it's of the devil. And I somehow had the wisdom to say then, if that's true, it's because the church has given it away. And that's the truth. Because the church has been way ahead of psychology, which came about just in the last hundred or so years, in talking about the importance of relationships. In the Sermon on the Mount, I'll start a little earlier than we have the passages for you this morning. In 14 and 16, Jesus said, let your light shine among the people. And if you've got light, put it up on the top of a hill. You don't cover your light under a bushel, basket, uh, or anything else. You let it shine. And we let it shine so the people will see your good works and give glory to the Father. So when people see us give good works, the kind of things he's talking about here, then they will give glory to the Father. The only person I ever heard say, or the first person, that the early church was the most powerful healing community in the world was an atheist psychologist. No one in the church had ever said that before. When I went back and started studying it, I saw that it was true. So let's look at why it is. Verse 21, Jesus said, now he goes back and he quotes the Torah, the Old Testament. So when he says, you've heard it of old, that's what he means. You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I'm telling you, it isn't just when you get to that extreme point of killing someone that you must stop. You must start over. He said, but I'm telling you, if you're angry, you're in trouble. You heard it said, those of old you shall not murder, who murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his neighbor will be liable to judgment. Wow. 
Before this, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. This takes it down to the roots. Out of the roots of our heart and our mind come the fruits of what we see. In Cincinnati and around the world now, we're seeing a lot of violence. It didn't start at violence. It started here in the heart, in the mind, in the will, in the habit patterns, in the home, in the churches. And it needs to be stopped there first. And Jesus is very clear at that. I say to you, everyone's angry will be liable to being judged. Then it goes on. Everyone who's insults his neighbor, says something like, you stupid person, will be liable to the council. The term that's used there is racha. It's an insult. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the Gehenna of fire or hell of fire. Gehenna was sort of rumpkies dumpkey on fire continually outside the walls of the city. And so what he's saying is if you get angry... You go to blaming and shaming, you're going to end up in a hellish situation. And I would say if anything qualifies for hellish situations, it's the way that we're seeing violence and argumentation and insults and shaming going on in our culture. We're in trouble. And I know we'd like to do something at the national or local level, but we need to do it here first. As a family therapist, I talked to many, many families who were in trouble, who were living in Gehenna, constant fire and hellish conflicts at home. And when it's at home, then it'll spread to the culture. When you have love at home, that also spreads to the culture. And we need to let our light shine by having good works. And Jesus describes what that is. By loving and caring. Now I'm going to illustrate that. I've asked Pastor Drew to come up here. I'm going to show it. And uh, I've got a little thing here. It's a little light. There's three lights under here. Red, blue, and green. And I want to make these lights shine. Go let, let your light shine. Remember that song we sang in Sunday school? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Now we, this isn't shining now. Where could it shine? Here, they go. hang on to it. It isn't shining between Drew and me now. Why could it shine? Well, it could shine if you have a connection, if you're related. So Drew and I, when we're connected, that light is shining. The energy is flowing. It's possibilities for both of us, Right? So if that's happening inside me and it's happening inside your spouse, your kids, or your pastor, Jesus' light's shining. But when that light is not shining, when it's violence, when it's anger, when it's insults, blames, and shames, blaming is accusing people and saying they're stupid. Shaming is telling them they're worthless. They're not created in God's image. They have no hope. They're helpless. That's shaming. And when that happens, we have it within our families, and then we have it within our churches and in our community.
But this church is a healing community, and we want to spread it. We always wanted to. At this, when I was here, we wanted to spread it around. But you got to have it here first and have it at home. And I have a lot of people tell me, you know, you don't realize what's going on in the community. Yes, I do, because I talk to the families. I do family therapy. <laughs> I've seen it. There's no more vicious things goes on in the world that goes on a lot of families. And that needs to be healed there first. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Drew. Give Drew a hand. I had to. His agent demanded a high fee for him to come in here today. Now, Jesus knew all about this. He knew that letting your light shine would be therapeutic. The word therapy, by the way, is simply healing. That's what it means. And you unpack it. So I want you to see another uh, chart here. And this goes along. This comes from research by a guy by the name of John Gottman and his wife, Dr. Gottman, was a marriage and family therapist. And he wondered what was going on. What would really cause people to get divorced? What would cause people to really be angry and leave each other and have violence and stuff in the family? So what he did, he brought couples in. Sometimes they were engaged. Sometimes they were married for a little while. Sometimes they were married for a long time. And he hooked them up to monitors and watched the results on monitors like you do at an ICU unit. And he would see what happens when they discuss things. And he simply asked them to discuss a, a simple day out at the zoo or doing some tough problem they had in their life. They would watch what happened. And he could... He could predict with 90% accuracy whether that couple would get divorced or not when they were dating. One of the first things I did was start a a premarital prep course here at College Hill. And a whole lot of people dropped out. Someone complained and I said, there's 50% divorce. Let's stop them before they divorce. Let's do prevention. If we don't change people in here, it's not going to change them once you get married. All of, all of you know that you had the same intensity of love after you got married as you did before, right? Probably not, because you run into difficulties. So let's look at this chart we have in here. Daryl, could we see that chart, please? Now, this is a chart you're going to get uh, passed out. Uh, they passed it out for you. Here, level one, he said, when you're contented... When you're contented, at peace with others, you're letting your light shine, you're relaxed, and the male heart rate is about 72 beats per minute. The female is about 80 because of the difference in size. All right, that's contented. Or even if you add joy to that, if you add blessing to it, if you have encouragement, ah, you're even more built up. And your body is being built up physically as well as emotionally. Now, sometimes you run into a rough patch and you have what we call a complaint stage. Now, Gottman points out, and I believe this is true, complaints can be very healthy if they're said, you say to your spouse, your husband, your wife, your kid, I am not happy with this. You don't go immediately to blaming and shaming. You go to, I am unhappy with our relationship, this going on. Let's resolve this. It's called resolving the conflict before it spirals out of control. So if we can teach people how to do that, then the whole church 
if you can teach families how to do it before they get married, couples, or afterwards when they're having a little problem, they can stop it at the complaint stage. Now, if it goes farther, the next one after that is, and you'll see on your chart when you get it, there's anxiety if you complain a little bit. Your blood pressure goes up. You're a little worried, and Gottman saw this. But the next thing is key. If they didn't criticize each other, if they didn't start blaming each other, they could resolve it at that point without spiraling out of control. But once you start criticizing and saying, you know what, you're the problem. You know what, you are the problem in this marriage. I married the wrong person. I knew that a week after we were married. Well, that is not exactly a healthy way to resolve your issues. It is a common way, though. What you see, there's this rise in anxiety and fear, blood pressure, breathing rate, muscles get tight. In other words, fight, flight. You want to fight that person or you run. And God gave us the fight, flight, res- reaction because that's healthy if you're out walking in a, a jungle someplace and you've got warriors attacking you or snipers or if you've got animals, you need that fight, flight. If you're living with someone, your kids are being raised in an, uh, a uh, kind of an, uh, I guess you'd say an environment where they're always on fight, flight, then that's destroying their bodies. It causes your arteries to get stickier and hold on to cholesterol. We could just go back to being contented and resolve those things. Then the next one, even worse. This one is contempt. Contempt is shaming. It's exactly the same thing that Jesus talked about. Anger, criticism, and then shaming. Do you see how Jesus knew this 2,000 years ago? He didn't have to hook people up to brain monitors, blood pressure medicine, or (coughs) contact. He knew because he created us. And he knows people right well and still loves us, even when we get down into that hellish blame-shame cycle and attacking each other. (coughs) Contempt is shaming, insulting character. You're just like your father. You'll never amount to anything. You're just like blah, blah, blah. There's no good people. Then you're hopeless. You're helpless. You collapse on the inside. But just fight, flight. What do I do? Do I attack this person or do I get out of here? Now, this is down about six levels. And unfortunately, when most people come to counseling, they come to see me. As one woman called and said, Dr. Gary, I need to see you before Friday. I said, what's happening Friday? She said, divorce court. It's a little late. They were down at level six already. They were hating each other and fight flight. You need to stop it earlier. Let your light shine. And the church can do that better than any other organization. By coming together and worshiping. By coming together, confessing our sins, recognizing our issue, not laying them on our spouse or our kids or or somebody in the community, but we get cleaned up. And we can let our light shine in the darkness, and there's plenty of darkness in this world. 
So go and be blessed, be at peace, because the more peaceful you are in your home, you're spreading it to others. The more peaceful you are in your church, the more you're spreading it around to the community. Because our feelings and our ideas are contagious. God bless you and thank you for allowing me to be with you this morning.